Hi friends, today I am thrilled to be talking to the one and only Aileen Miracle about getting started with centers in elementary music. You can find Aileen's bio and read some about her background and see um, some of her resources for centers with the link in the show notes. Last thing, you can listen to our conversation with your podcast player, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can jump over to YouTube to watch our conversation. And with that said, let's jump in. My name is Victoria Bowler, and this is episode 75 of Elemental Conversations. Aileen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It is kind of a like a dream come true for me to have this conversation with you because you were uh, one of the very early blogger podcast people. And I can remember um, in my mind where I was when I found your podcast like years ago. Um, and and I, w- I looked at it and I was like, there are podcasts for music people. Like, <laughs> this is this is a total game changer, and I think it was like you and David Rao, and that was and that was kind of it. And you have been leading the charge in music education for a long time. Um, why don't you tell us about how you continue to lead this charge in your new role, just to give um, people people an update on your situation. Sure. Thank you so much for your kind words. I'm glad the podcast and my blog were helpful. Uh, so I just finished my 24th year of teaching music. And over my career, I've taught everything from kindergarten through seventh grade general music, as well as band, beginning band, uh, orchestra, beginning orchestra, and choir. Uh, and I've loved every minute, but I am stepping into a new role as a unified arts curriculum supervisor. So in my district, this is a brand new role. We haven't had it before. And I will be overseeing all of the K-12 music, art, health, and PE teachers, as well as some other content areas at the middle school level, like uh, world languages. And sorry for any background noise, that would be my puppy (laughs) (laughs) drinking water right now. Um, World languages and uh, like family and consumer sciences as well. So it's a big role and I'm really excited about it. Wow. Oh my goodness. So you will still get to be, um, you can still wear your hat of elementary general music. You just get to add more hats on top of it. Hopefully I'll, you know, be able to still be in the, you know, in the music classroom, just not my own music classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really hoping that I'll still have time to teach, you know, to be like a guest teacher, I guess. Um, but then we'll also be helping other content areas as well. Yeah, that that is such a beautiful role for you, in my opinion, right? Because it takes all of the skills that you already have, and it just applies them to other areas. And If we think about what we're talking about today, Aileen, which is centers, there is a lot of like probably the centers mentality in, in your brain, like how you're approaching this job, because you have like 37 different people doing 37 different things, but you are all viewing, you're viewing all of them as like one umbrella, right? Yeah, that's a good analogy. Yeah, I can see um, how the, the skills that make you so good at centers would also make you an incredible arts coordinator. I know all those teachers are very lucky to have you. Thank you so much. Okay. So talk to me about centers, Aileen. Um, and let's imagine that someone is saying, um, you know, I hear Aileen talk about centers here and there, and, um, she has this course, um, but I don't see how centers could work for elementary general music, the type of music stuff that we do. I can see it working for reading or for math or for history, but probably not, not for music. What are some of the benefits of centers that we, we might be missing out on? Yeah, I think a a lot of times people are afraid to try centers because it is different, right? And it is a little bit of a risk. Uh, But as far as benefits go, I think just it's it feels to me much more student centered when I do centers and it allows students to have more choice and agency. And, you know, especially if you're doing something like choice centers, which I can get to in a little bit, where students are choosing which centers they go to, uh, they just have the ability to kind of regulate themselves and figure out what activity they want to do and when they want to switch, which is great. Uh, And then there's more time for one-on-one. So like if, let's say you're practicing recorders with students, you know, and kind of that traditional model that I first started doing when I was first teaching, 
is if you want to have students play the recorder, then they might be playing a song in front of everybody else, right? Which for our students with anxiety, that's a big ask. And on top of that, let's say you have 27 students in the class and you have one student playing a solo, then the other 26 students maybe are listening or maybe it's time for them to, you know, maybe they might have a hard time managing their behavior, I guess, right? <laughs> it's easy for them to get distracted. So yeah. uh, with centers, it allows that one-on-one -on -one where you could listen to a student play the recorder or whatever it might be. And then all the other students are engaged with something else. Mm -hmm. Not all of the attention is on that one student. The other students are doing whatever else you've asked for them. So it's really a win-win. Mm. Uh, so yeah. And, and as far as like, I think why people have a hard time. Oh my gosh, my dog is being really playful right now. <laughs> it's like biting at me while I'm trying to talk. Sorry. Um, so I think uh, why teachers often struggle with doing centers. Like I said, it's a big risk, you know, maybe not a big risk, but it's it's definitely a risk, especially if you're afraid that maybe your administrator is going to walk into the room as you're yeah. trying something new. And I think in this day of Instagram, where everything looks perfect and curated, we almost expect ourselves to be perfect all the time. And it's that's just not reality. Mm -hmm. So if you can kind of get past that like this is going to be a little messy and that's okay and you're going to have to try some things out and see what works for you and your students mm -hmm. and that's okay too if you can get past that then i have seen so much growth with my students so much engagement they're so excited when we do centers and especially when they're able to choose their own centers mm -hmm. so um and and then they're able to practice concepts in several different ways uh, and maybe like if you have a limited set of instruments in your room or you have limited technology with centers, all of the students are able to play instruments that day or all of the students are able to touch your technology, even if you only have, you know, a smart board or an interactive whiteboard. And that's the only technology you have in your room. All of your students are able to use it because you're, they're just working in small groups. So, yeah, definitely lots of advantages. And I think overall, too, that like you can see a lot of growth because with centers, the way I usually do it is we're focusing maybe just like on one concept. Mm -hmm. So because you're really focused just on that one concept and in my typical lessons, I might be practicing a couple different concepts. I might have a rhythmic concept and a melodic concept, which I love that, you know, lesson model, but with centers, having the focus just on one concept, I think is really helpful, especially when you can do assessment one-on-one. -on -one. You can pr also provide intervention. That's another big benefit. I've pulled students aside to work with them one-on-one, -on -one, especially when I've done some kind of, you know, data beforehand or data tracking beforehand to see which students were struggling. And then I'm able to pull those students aside to work with them one-on-one -on -one to see where their br breakdown of knowledge is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so much so much there, Aileen. One of the things that I heard you say is if you're doing centers, you're probably going to be focusing on one concept. And that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. If we are wearing a Kodai hat where we're doing like a maybe a prepare idea here and a practice idea here, you're recommending that we have one idea through the the whole lesson, or at least like the the time that we have students at centers, that way we can get um, as much info. We can kind of maximize the information that we're getting. Yes, that's what I prefer. I have done centers with two different concepts before, and that works too. Or like, let's say you're practicing ukulele. Maybe two of the centers are ukulele, and two of them are so or something like that. Like that's it's. There's really um, no like wrong or right, as far as I'm concerned, like you can kind of cater the centers and the approach however you want to. But what I found is having one concept to work on, I think it's also, it makes it easier to come up with centers when you're just focusing on one thing. Yeah. And I think it's probably easier to explain to students what they're supposed to do at each center as well when they're just focusing on one concept. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we also think about just to yes and that, like the amount of context switching that you would be asking of students, because it's one That's thing true. to say, it's one thing to say, like, play this rhythm, um, now read this rhythm, now do some arrangement activity with this rhythm. But if we were to say, um, play this melody, now arrange this rhythm, now sing this melody, now blah, 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 blah. And like we're trying to draw on students different aural contexts for all of it. That's that's kind of a lot. So that's, I think yeah, that's, that's helpful. Yeah, that's That's a really good point. I think that's helpful, Aileen, that you say that, even though I hear you say like, you can make it as expansive as you want. But what you are saying is start with 
one thing at least. And then if you can see that your students are, are good with one concept expressed through these seven different ways or whatever it is, um, then maybe you expand to a, a prepare idea and a practice idea or a rhythmic idea and a melodic idea. But, but we don't have to go level 10 out of 10 when we start centers. Yes, I would. Yeah, definitely start simple. And I think that's really something that um, made me hesitate when I first started centers. Like when I was in my first year of teaching, I was able to observe a veteran teacher and she was doing centers. And I thought, oh, this is really interesting and, and neat, but I never tried it. And then uh, in my, my oldest daughter is now 19. When she was in kindergarten, she was a student at my school and I was able to her kindergarten classroom was like across the hall from me. So I was able to go over and visit every now and then. And I saw her kindergarten teacher doing centers with like the letter J or something. And I thought, oh, this is so cool. Like they're practicing the letter J in all these different ways. I wonder if I can do this in my own classroom. Uh, and I hesitated because I had been, I had Kodai training, which was wonderful and so transformative to my teaching. But I think I had it in my head like, oh, well, every lesson needs to look like this, right? Every lesson needs to be preparing or practicing a rhythmic concept. And every lesson needs to be preparing and practicing a melodic concept unless you're doing like a presentation lesson or a make conscious yep. lesson. Yep. And I, I just kind of had to give myself permission to try something new. And this is not something that I do every single lesson at all. You know, it's maybe like, you know four times a year. I, I was challenging myself this past year to do at least one center's lesson every quarter, if not mm. two. So maybe like four to eight times a year, I was doing centers with each grade level. And that's actually yeah. not even how I started. When I first started, it was like, I tried maybe two centers lessons in the year, you know? Yeah. So you can kind of start with wherever you're comfortable and expand from there. But, but yeah, I think it's, you kind of have to give yourself permission uh, to just try something new and kind of see where it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's imagine, Aileen, that we have, um, let's take third grade and let's say that we are rocking and rolling in third grade on, let's say, uh, ta di mi taka di or, or, you know, rhythm syllables of your choice. Um, what are some of your go-to centers that you think are, are a little bit more on the manageable side for students? Yeah. Were you saying, is it like a two sixteenths, one eighth? Is that what you're talking yes. about? Yeah. <laughs> me. Okay. Yeah. Or um, pick, yeah. pick whatever, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. So um, after doing centers for several years, I kind of came up with a formula that I thought worked well for brainstorming types of centers. So I, if we're just talking about four centers, then I typically have one center that's uh, instrument based, one that is assessment based, one that has to do with technology and one that is an assessment or manipulatives. Maybe I just okay. repeated myself, manipulatives. Yeah. So technology, manipulatives, instruments, assessment. Yeah. So if we go with that model, um, then maybe for Tadimi or Tikiti or whatever you call it, uh, if you're doing something that is um, instrument-based, then maybe you have some rhythm cards out with that rhythm pattern. And this really could work for any rhythm con yeah. rhythmic concept that you're working on. Um, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. My dog is not usually this playful ever, and he's like biting at me as I'm talking. So I'm <laughs> he's excited. <laughs> I apologize for any background noise. I'm like, stop it. Okay, so um, so instrument-based, you might have a bunch of flashcards out on music stands and then a bunch of non-pitch percussion for students to choose from, right? So maybe you just have like bins of hand drums and maracas and whatever else. Mm -hmm. And then you have the students choose whatever instrument they want and then play those rhythm patterns on that non-pitch percussion. And then after they're done with all of those rhythm cards, then they put, let's say they did a maraca first, they put down the maraca, they pick up a hand drum and they play all of the rhythm patterns again. It's a really good physical practice of that rhythmic concept. So that could be the instruments uh, station. And then let's say for assessment, maybe, well, we'll start with technology. Maybe you have like a, um, a smart board file or some kind of interactive file where the students are reading rhythm patterns from the screen. So um, I have made like all of these like koosh ball type activities where the students wrote, it's really a squishy ball that I use. Yeah. I get mine from Target. Um, they probably have them in plenty of other stores, but they're like little squishy balls, right? So they throw a squishy ball at the interactive whiteboard, which I know seems 
you know, crazy that I'm telling <laughs> you that you should have your students throw something at the interactive whiteboard, but it's like squishy. It's soft. So it doesn't really hurt it. It's just as hard as like tapping the screen. So maybe they throw something at the um, interactive whiteboard and then they read whatever pattern comes up. Right. Um, and I actually have, I can send you a, a link, Victoria, of like, um, I think I have this for, it's, I want to say it's for Ta and Titi, but it might be Ta, Titi, and Russ. But I have like four centers that uh, the listeners can get for free. And one of them is a file like this for that. Oh, awesome. Yeah, we'll yeah. get that in the show notes. Thank you. That's great. Yeah. So, um, so they throw something at the screen and they read whatever comes up and then they go back to the homepage and the next kid in the line comes up and does the same thing. Mm -hmm. So that could be the technology. And then the assessment could be same idea, but they're reading the rhythm patterns one-on-one -on -one with the teacher. Ah. So they get in a line, the first person comes up and uh, they read the first pat pattern. So it might be like ta, ta, tickety, ta. And you're listening for, can they read it to a steady beat? You know, mm -hmm. do they remember the names of the rhythm syllables, right? Mm -hmm. How much assistance do they need? And you could do a quick check. It could be like a four, three, two, one kind of rubric, or it could be just like plus check minus, you know, yeah, just a quick little assessment. Now, while the one student is reading the rhythm patterns to you, you could have the other students simply waiting. I've done that. Or you could have them do something else like I, I'm lucky enough that I've had iPad minis in my room, like eight iPad minis. So maybe while the one student is reading rhythm patterns to you, the other students are um, playing on some kind of app. Like maybe they're playing in Chrome Music Lab or I have an app called Keezy on my iPad. So maybe they're um, creating music in Keezy or whatever that might be. It could just, it could be something completely unrelated to whatever, you know, ticket to or whatever you're working on. It's just mm -hmm. something for them to do while they're waiting, right? So that could be the assessment center. And then man for manipulatives, uh, maybe you have students um, using fruit manipulatives to create their own patterns. So like watermelon could be Tikka Tikka. Sure. Um, and apple could be tt and maybe for tickety or toddy me it could be like a tangerine or something right mm -hmm. so they're creating four beat patterns with fruit they're saying it with the fruit names and then they're saying it with rhythm syllables and then they're creating a different pattern maybe they're working individually maybe they're working in small groups however you want to do it mm -hmm. um and any of these could be activities that they have done as a whole group that does make it easier if you start with at least a couple of the centers um as activities that they've done as a whole group. That way you can say like, this is what we're doing at the center, like we did you know, in music class recently. So it's not like four completely brand new activities that they have to do. Yeah, that's awesome. I love those buckets, Aileen, because then it's not like, um, I notice probably very intentionally, you have one station with instruments right? How many stations? One station, right? Yeah. And probably that would be in uh, the place of your room that is going to be the least disruptive to all of the other other students. So I think that's super smart of, of kind of managing the noise, which I know is a concern for a lot of people. Yeah, um, that is definitely a concern with centers. Uh, you do have to be careful about where you put your uh, instrument centers or anything with noise uh, because it can get rather noisy. I've been lucky that I have had a pretty large spacious room um, and I set it up and but even if your room is smaller I set up my centers kind of on the perimeter of the room on the edge of the room so um, I can kind of you know walk around in the middle and look at everything on the perimeter mm -hmm. um, and that seems to work well but I think even if you have a smaller space you just have to be mindful and again this is experimentation you just kind of have to experiment with what works. I have found that having anything more like because sometimes I'll do more than four centers or let's say I do six centers. Mm -hmm. um, I would not do more than two instrument centers yeah. because otherwise it gets noisy. Or if you're going to do more than that, like maybe they're not playing the whole time. Maybe they're doing a worksheet and then they're playing, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that way it's not just, it's not super noisy. And then for students who have sensory issues, maybe it gets too loud for them. And I've had students come up to me and say, it's just too loud. Again, because I have a big room, I have the you know benefit of being able to say, well, why don't you go to, over to this area of the room for that center? Mm -hmm. But I've also given students headphones for sure, just to block out the noise, which seems to be helpful. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. I love that. So one of the very um, tactile things that you told us that we can do as we are implementing this, one of the things that we can do is have a center or two that students have already done as a class with you leading it. We've all done it in like our classroom ensemble, so to speak. And then we do our, our small ensemble version of it. What are some other things, Aileen, that that we can do to set this up. Because one model that we could do is say, all right, friends, we're, um, we're all doing centers. You have the directions at the centers, go. Mm -hmm. And then it's, and then you're like, well, center, I tried centers, Aileen, but they, they didn't work for me. So can you, can you help us, Aileen, like kind of set this up so that students yeah. are successful? We're not tearing our hair up. Yes. So um, there are a few different models that I've tried. If you have never done centers before and your students have never done centers, I would suggest starting with what I would call like a more traditional approach, which is four centers. Um, and like I said, maybe at least a couple of them the students have done before because that really helps students be successful. And then you tell which students, uh, which students are at which centers, right? So, mm. or you could have them, um, you could have them choose, but I find it, especially if you haven't done it before, it's helpful to just say. Yes, for round you know, one. Yes, and yeah. you might do it um, where you're intentionally looking at the class list beforehand and deciding which students work well together, right? Yep. Or um, at my school, we've done like magic numbers where students know who's number one, who's number two, who's number three, right? So you could say like, yeah. let's say you have 24 students in your class. You could say, if your number is one through six, go to this center. If your number is seven through 12, go to this center, mm -hmm. right? So how much time you have. Um, but then after, let's say five or so minutes, then you have students rotate to the next center. I have found something like wind chimes or like a um, tone chime, yep. something that kind of cuts through the noise, um, but is pretty, <laughs> you yes. know, is helpful for, or even just like playing a chord on the piano or something, some kind of signal. And you can tell students beforehand, when you hear me play this, I want everyone to stop. And at my school, we have like pause is kind of like, or you might have, you know, they raise their hand or something. So when they hear that noise, they stop, they do whatever signal it is. Mm -hmm. And then you tell them which center to go to next. And usually it's, you know, you're rotating clockwise or counterclockwise or whatever that might be. They spend five more minutes at the next center. You play the instrument again, they rotate again. That is really, I think, a helpful way to start centers because it's pretty structured, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I made the mistake of, um, I was teaching virtually during the 2020-2021 school year. Um, and I had done lots of centers before that. And then we went virtual. And then I came back to in-person learning. And I, some of the students in my district were in-person and some of them were virtual. So I was teaching the virtual students, like half of the virtual students from the entire district, K to two is what I was doing that year. And I came back and I thought, well, my students had me for several years before the one year they didn't, right? Um, they remember how to do centers. I'm just gonna do choice centers, which I'll explain how I do choice centers in just a minute. I, I'll do it, it's fine. And so um, I had a somewhat challenging fourth grade class and I, you know, was, explained the choice centers and I was like, okay, go. And then like, I mean, 30 seconds later, I realized it was a mistake. Like I should have done traditional centers, even though they've done centers plenty with me before. Mm -hmm. I should have done um, traditional centers to kind of set them up for success and remind them because it's been a while, right? So how I do choice centers is I'll set up six centers around the room. So you might have, I mean, the four categories that I gave you of centers fit a lot of different centers, right? But okay. not all centers. Like you might have a game center, you might have a listening center or something like that. Or if you're doing six centers, maybe you double up and you have two technology centers, depending on the technology you have in your room, right? Or you, you do two manipulative centers. It, it just depends. So um, I have six centers and I'll explain all six centers. And then I'll say to the students, you can choose which center to go to and you can choose when to switch. But you might have a few parameters like you might have um, of the six centers that I'm explaining. I want you to go to at least three centers today. Um, and a lot of the students will go to all six. Right. Yeah. I have plenty of students that will say, oh, I did all six, you know. Um, or you could say, like, everyone needs to do the worksheet center at some point today or whatever that might be. Like if you have an assessment and you want all the students to do the assessment. Yeah. Then you can do that. I've also set it up if um, for those people who use Seesaw, I feel like you have blogged about Seesaw, right? Yeah. Yes. So for people who use Seesaw or any 
other kind of like if you're just doing something like Pear Deck or something like that with technology that you want students to do or a Google form or something like that. Then another um, way that I've done it, it's kind of like toy centers, but what I do is everyone starts with that technology center, right? Everyone starts with the Seesaw activity or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And then after they are done with that activity, then they can choose whatever center to go to. Mm. So like, let's say they finish the Seesaw activity, they close up their Chromebook, hit the, you know, hit the green check in Seesaw, close up their Chromebook, and then go to whatever other center they want. Yeah. But I would not start with that because, like I said, students kind of need to be trained. Even though in their classrooms, in the general ed classroom, they are very familiar, typically, what yeah. I find, with um, with centers. Um, I think just doing it in a different context, they need a little bit of training to understand mm-hmm. how you want them to do centers. So I would start with traditional and then maybe go with something a little bit more untraditional if you want to try that. I love that approach of having everyone start with the same thing. And then just as they are ready to kind of branch off and kind of, you know, one of the the things that you said at the very top, Aileen, was like, this gives students more agency in their learning. And I wanted to circle back to that term because it's kind of like a buzzword, right? It was like a student-centered, student agency, like all of the exciting things that we say now, you know, to, to show that we're really good teachers. But right. what, is that, what does that actually look like and what you're describing with the student choice and then also um, with them kind of going at their own pace? That checks yeah. off so many boxes. That's so exciting just to, to think about. I do need to ask you, though, about classroom management with this because I know people will be like, Aileen, what world do you live in where... <laughs> Where your kids are just like floating around calmly and listening to wind chimes and, and doing these. <laughs> so, so um, and then the other kind of piece to that is uh, in, our, in our efforts to give students more and more choice, we find that often the more choice we give, the more cooperation we get back from students. Also, if we, if we give too much choice, then we get chaos. So, so I hear you kind of dance around these, these two um, kind of ideas. So can you give us some help with parameters for this yeah. or classroom management things that we should be thinking about? Yes. So yeah, you do kind of have to think through some things, especially you might have some classes that are a little bit, little bit more challenging or kiddos that you know may struggle a little bit more with this mm-hmm. kind of free structure. That's why I think starting with the traditional centers helps because then you can kind of see you know, how it works for the students. But then when you're giving um, free choice, you know, you could just have a consequence of if a student is not doing what they're supposed to, they're done with that center, right? Mm. Like, let's say you're at, um, you have the interactive whiteboard set up with the with the squishy ball and you have a student who's throwing it like they're playing baseball, right? Yep. Um, yep. And is, you know, getting into kids' faces and yelling or something like that, right? Yep. So then you can just say, you have to go to another center. Like you can't do this anymore because you're showing me that you can't, you know, you're, you're having a hard time handling this. So I want you to go to another center. So there could just be a consequence. Um, I think also like in the more traditional centers, um, telling students which centers to go to helps. Um, Mm -hmm. If you're at the choice centers, I have done it where I just tell them choose, you know, whichever center to go to, but you could give them a reminder of like, if you know that you have a hard time with your behavior when you're working with a particular peer in the class, then don't go to that center with them. Or if you if they do and they're having a hard time, then you can just tell them, why don't you go to that center instead mm-hmm. and make sure you're not at the same center as so-and-so, right? Yeah. Um, so they might need a little bit of guidance with that. Um, but I find like, I think some of the frustration that I have seen students have with traditional centers is that they um, maybe want to spend more time with a particular center and they can't because they were told mm-hmm. they have to switch or yeah. they're done two minutes in, mm-hmm. right? And they're just twiddling their thumbs like, what do I do now, right? So that's right. the great thing about those choice centers is that they are able to choose when to switch. Um, so I have found students overall are pretty well behaved because they're so excited about having that agency and choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, but the great thing about, you know, centers in general is that unless you're anchored at a center, like in what I mean by anchored is let's say there's an assessment center and you right. have to sit there and watch what the students are doing and take the assessment. 
Unless you're anchored at a center, you really can walk around the room and check in on the behavior of students and really kind of monitor what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they might think that you're not seeing what they're doing, but because you're circulating, you are. Mm-hmm. And then you can pull that student aside and work with them one-on-one. So again, it takes a little bit of experimentation and it's going to depend on which class, you know, which students are in your class, how well it goes. But um, overall, I really have found behavior to be pretty good during centers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Aileen, it comes down to this like fundamental belief about kids that kids uh, learn by doing and kids want to learn if we're setting up the learning environment in a way that is, again, to use that phrase, student-centered. Um, kids kids want to do music <laughs> and kids want to um, learn new things. So if we can kind of take the responsibility off of us and put them, put it on to students a little bit more, that suddenly frees up our own brain. And just to, to yes and something else that you were saying earlier um, about the, like the teacher presence wandering around the room, kind of jumping in and helping and redirecting and uh, blah, blah, blah. Um, I've done it before where I, for the assessment one, I set up an iPad and I just clicked go and just recorded students, you know, doing, doing whatever. And then I could kind of check in, circle in here, here and here and here. And there's, um, obviously an, an added, uh, component. Um, you, you don't save time that way because then you go back and you look through, but you can zoom through and say like, I'm interested in this one specific student. How are we doing? You know, so there, um, it's not like a, it's not a perfect system, but it's, it's one way to kind of be two places at once. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good idea. I haven't thought Mm -hmm. to do it. Um, yeah, I think like, again, there are so many different ways that you can do it, uh, to save time. And, and I also think like, as far as going back to classroom management and behavior, I also think that like, um, students are so excited to get their hands on an instrument or get their hands on an iPad, um, or I've used, um, like spectrums, which is like this little ring that Uh will play different uh, pitches depending on what color you're pressing. And the kids love that. Um, You can um, get those on Amazon. It's like two rings for $50. So you don't even have to have a full class set. You could just get, you know, let's say six rings and then have enough for centers or whatever. Um, Or students, you could have three and students work in pairs. Um, Or I've used like um, the Dash robot. Uh, There's a xylophone with the Dash Uh I don't yeah. think they're selling it anymore, which is such a bummer because it's so fun. But I've brought in like cool tech toys like that. Right. And students are just so, so excited to uh, be playing with a tech toy, be playing with an instrument, be playing with an iPad that often their behavior really is so much better. I have a couple classes. I had a couple classes this past year that just really struggled with behavior when we were in a whole group setting. Yeah. But then we would do centers and it would, the behavior was so much better. Because again, they have that agency, they have that choice, they're able to, you know, make their own choices. So I think, you know, again, we might be afraid to try something new, but you might be pleasantly surprised, especially if you have like a structure in place, you might be pleasantly surprised with um, how certain classes especially do with centers. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's hang out on this choice idea, because I think that's probably pretty novel for, for teachers. Um, if, if they haven't done centers at all. And then also the idea of kids just like kind of choosing their own centers. So let's camp out here. Um, two like logistics questions under the hood, so to speak. Um, number one, are people keeping track of the centers? Uh, maybe if you care that they do something, then they might be keeping track and maybe some days you don't care. And so, right. so maybe they don't. So I'm interested in your opinion on that. And then do you have parameters around um, how many students at one center at a time or like yeah. avoiding traffic jams or, or mm-hmm. anything like that? Yeah, um, I have kept track before, but sometimes I haven't. It really just depends, you know, um, if if you're worried about behavior, that might be a good or, you know, worried about our students are just going to be staying at the same thing the whole time, even though yeah. you told them to go to three different centers. Right. Um, you definitely could. And I have like a little. Um, you could just have a little checklist, center one, center two, center three kind of thing. And they're just checking yeah. off as they go. Oh, just kids would love that, Aileen, yeah. to be like, I have done t- center three. And now I'm yeah. on. Like, and you know, yeah. those, those kids that are like super motivated, like yeah. I did all six. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> right. yeah. That's me. <laughs> yep. Yep. And then as far as how many students at a center, um, yes, with some centers, you have to limit it because of the technology you have or sure. like 
like spectrums, for example, if you only have um, six spectrums, then you can't have more than six students unless they're pairing up, right? Mm -hmm. Or um, instruments, especially like um, my or, my ORF instruments, my BARD instruments are um, on wheels, which is really nice for just, yeah. you know, being able to move them out into the space. Um, and I have enough for a full class to play, really, but it would take up a lot of space. So it kind of depends on, you know, I know some students will set up like a whole instrument section and all the instruments out are out, or maybe yours are on wheels like mine, or maybe you only have three xylophones, right? Like yeah. it just really depends on what you have. So if let's say you only have six instruments out, then you can say, if you come over here and you see that all six instruments are being played, then just do another center until one is free and just kind of watch it. So kind of, I think is a good skill for them because it teaches them to be aware of their environment and to be mindful of, okay, I'm done with this now. Oh, an instrument, you know, has opened up. I'm going to go ahead and do and play that instrument. So, um, and you could make a rule like no more than X amount of students at any center, or it could depend on which centers your students are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Um, because again, it takes the the responsibility for like managing every single effort that students do. And it takes it off of you, out of your brain, onto them because like kids are capable. Kids are like musical members of this community, just like we are as the teacher. And like they can handle themselves if we are scaffolding yeah. appropriately. Yeah. And I, I haven't ever made a role like no more than let's say six students can be at any center. I haven't done that. I've only done it for certain centers where I only have so many materials and it does, um, it, it does kind of put the responsibility more on them, which is nice because then you can facilitate more. You can, and, and here's another benefit of centers that I haven't talked about. Being able to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with students is great because you might have like this past year, I had like 750 students, right? And mm -hmm. maybe there are some of you out here listening who have, over a thousand students, right? Yeah. It's going to be really hard to have one-on-one -on -one conversations with students and really get to know them. But with centers, as they're walking around, you could say to a student, hey, how are you doing today, right? Mm -hmm. Or, hey, I heard on the announcement announcements, it's your birthday, happy birthday, or whatever that might be, or what are you doing this weekend? You know, just yep. being able to check in with students is really nice. Yeah, I know so often we're we're looking for times to squeeze in like at the beginning of class or at the end of class or at lunch or whatever with with certain students who just need a little bit um extra attention from the adults in their lives and we know that they need a little extra care from us because of how they handle them themselves in the classroom. So I'm even imagining um like an assessment uh, section and an assessment center that you say, like for our assessment today, I'm going to say, how is soccer going? And we're just going to talk about how soccer is going. Right. And like, those are my, those are my minutes that I know I need to find with this kid yeah. to make, you know, to make everything run a little bit smoother. But, but your point, Aileen, is that it frees up the teacher. The students have more agency and the teacher actually has more agency with this model. Yeah. Um, it's, it will feel a little bit different at first, right? Because you were so used to like having control of the classroom and, and we're doing this, then we're doing this, then we're doing this. And you know, mm -hmm. and you're the one kind of leading everything, right? So this turns you more into a facilitator. Yeah. And it does, I remember the first time doing it kind of feeling like this, like, oh my gosh, like I don't have control. What's happening, you know? Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but then once you do it a few times, it, 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 and the thing is, is like, while you're doing it, it will feel like, less work, honestly, because yeah. you're facilitating, right? Now, the, on the front end of it, there might be more work as you're gathering materials, right? So the great thing about it is like, the first time you do centers for, let's say, Somi, mm -hmm. you'll have to gather all the materials, you'll have to print everything out. But then if you do, um, uh, if you're intentional with your organization, um, I got these bins from Amazon that are like a little bit bigger than eight and a half by 11. So they're like nine by 12 or something like yeah. that. And then I put all of the center's material into, for Sew Me, into one container. And then the next time I do Sew Me centers, I can just pull it right out. So you'll have a little bit more work on the front end, especially the first time you do that center. But then after that, um, it is a lot easier. Well, and, and to add on to that, if you've done so and me with your four rotations or maybe, 
year six, depending on what your classroom management situation is. And we have those same uh, buckets when we add in law and then we have those same buckets when we add in Ray, like you're right that it does take a lot of work on the front end, but then throughout the rest of the year and then progressively as we spiral up and up and up, it's like, this is our time to sit and, and drink a cup of tea by the end of yeah. it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It definitely, yeah. You have that front end work, but then, um, and it's just different work. It's like, and it, to me, it feels more laid back and easygoing because then, yeah, I can have conversations with students. I can check in with students. I can explain one-on-one -on -one how to do something instead of trying to explain it to 25 students. I'm just explaining it to one or two students, right? If they need extra assistance or whatever that might be. So mm -hmm. yeah, it just, to me, it has a different feel. I love those centers days. Now, that being said, I wouldn't um, try to do centers like the entire day with every grade level, because that would be like a lot of organization and a lot of like trying to remember th where things are. But this past year, I did do it more where I would do like two grade levels at a time. Yeah. Um, so I might have centers for third and fourth grade, but everyone else is doing a more typical lesson, right? Mm -hmm. um, and what I did when I did do it in the same rotation or the same week with students is I would, if I was doing um, rhythm, let's say I was doing Tickety for third grade, then maybe I was doing Syncopa mm -hmm. for fourth grade. So they were both rhythm centers. Yep. Um, and it just made it easier. Like I would do the same kind of center. I would just mm -hmm. swap out the files, right? It just, in my brain, it just made more sense. Like, oh, for this one, they're doing instruments. I just have to switch out the rhythm parts. For this one, they're doing the squishy ball game. I just have to switch out the file, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For this yeah. one, they're... Um, you know, whatever. I'm just trying to think like maybe they're they're doing composing cards or something where they're creating their own composition. And I just have to make sure that um, they have the cards that they need. So it's just organizational wise. And you could even like, if you really were worried about organization, you could put this worksheet, you know, the third grade worksheet on pink paper and the fourth grade worksheet on yeah. purple paper or something just to help you kind of, you know, keep track of, of what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I like that, um, that guidance about it doesn't have to be school wide, you know, like right away. And it can save you some headache if you do if you stack like maybe two grade levels, but it doesn't really save you headache if you stack all of the grade levels. So with that, Aileen, how are you thinking about um, setting up stations for your kinders versus your second, third versus your fourth and fifth, um, or, or even people listening who teach, you know, middle school, how are you, how are you managing what you're asking of students? Yeah. So kindergarten centers will look a lot different, especially at the start of the year than, um, second and third grade. They just need more, um, more guidance, I would say. Um, so I have had some Maybe I shouldn't call them failures because you learn from it, right? But I've had some lessons for kindergarten centers where I'm, hmm, I'm not going to do that again. Um, so you might try, I think something that is helpful for management, especially for like your little ones, is instead of doing four centers at first, maybe just try three, especially if you have a shorter time with them. So like with my uh, first through fifth graders, I ha have had them for 50 minutes, five zero minutes, which is a nice time for centers. I have done centers in a 35 minute lesson as well. It feels a little bit more rushed, but it is doable. With my kindergarten, I only have them for 25 minutes. Yeah. So centers is a little bit more challenging with 25 minutes, especially with kinders, right? So um, I have done three centers with them. And then that's just one less center that you have to explain and you can get through them quicker right so um that has helped um so your question was like just managing like what does kindergarten look like compared to fifth grade compared to maybe middle school okay yeah. so yeah so like with kindergarten i've done centers for like loud quiet fast low like or comparatives or musical opposites mm -hmm. for study beat for rhythm that kind of thing um and i typically don't start centers with kindergarten until maybe halfway through the year yeah I found that, you know, by then they know me pretty well. They know what to expect. You know, they know what piece of class looks like. And then we, we start trying it out. And of course, this is a personal decision completely up to you. But that's usually I wait about halfway through the year. 
Um, with my upper grades, I could definitely do it earlier, but I would have like a few, at least a few lessons that are like more typical before I would try centers. And then, like I said, I would start with traditional centers. And then with like, um, with grades one through two, I've done rhythmic and melodic centers. With grades three and above, I have done rhythmic centers, melodic centers, or like instrument centers, mm. right? So like ukulele, recorder, um, any other instrument that you might be playing, I've done centers that are kind of rotating around that. And I would think with middle, I have done band centers too. So like, let's say oh. you teach beginning band or, or middle school band. Yeah. Back when I taught beginning band, I did try centers for band, which was really fun. So I would have like, I'm trying to think back now, um, I think I had one center where they were like practicing a piece that we were working on for a concert, right? Mm. You just had their instrument out and they were practicing. Maybe another center was like for note names, um, practicing. And I had like different, and I think I did have different color paper for this. Yeah. Um, they had different um, worksheets for this, depending on what instrument they played. Um, and then maybe another center was... Um, you know, sight reading a song, right? Yeah. So, and you could take those categories we talked about, like technology assessment, you know, manipulatives, all that. You could take that and you could just apply it to anything, right? So you could apply that to band um, mm -hmm. or strings or anything yep. like that. It totally yep. works. Um, so yeah, it it's noisy because especially with band instruments, right? Uh -huh. But again, the students feel a little bit freer. They get so excited on Center's Days. They really have seemed to enjoy that. And I often have students come back in the next lesson and say, are we doing Center's today? You know, yeah. or yeah. if they see Center's materials out for another grade level, are we doing Center's today? Oh, I'm sorry, that's for third grade. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, they definitely enjoy it. And again, this is not like a one size fits all kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You can experiment and kind of see what works for you, but that's typically how I've structured it as far as concepts go for different grade levels. Yeah. And I'm thinking just like with band or orchestra or choir, you know, you have your station where people are practicing whatever it is, like performance piece that we're doing. And we have a station that we're doing sight reading. Um, and then I'm even thinking that we can have a station if, if we have access to headphones where they're doing a listening activity and like, you know, some, some sort of identification thing, or even depending on what level you are working with, um, finding mistakes in the score in, in a performance performance or, or like evaluating a previous performance or, or something along those lines. Like this, I think this opens up a lot of doors. Um, and even using those buckets that you gave us, like mm -hmm. the, the possibility is just start branching off and it's, it's really exciting. Yeah. I think like just being a band kid myself, yeah. um, I think sometimes we, uh, band directors, and, and I'll be able to dive more into this in my new role. But yeah. I think um, band directors often, can, we kind of get stuck in like, um, well, we have a performance coming up, so we need to practice. It's kind of like teaching to the test, right? We're yep. teaching to the performance. Um, but then there are all these other things that we're supposed to teach. And how do we do that when we have 60 kids in our band or 100 kids in our band or whatever that is, right? So I think this does kind of free up you know, it allows you to teach those things or to touch upon those things that you've been wanting to, yep. um, but in a way that still allows students to practice their music. And, you know, yeah, it just, it, like I said, it just has a different feel, but it's really effective. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. So everyone, everyone listening is like, yes, she's, she's speaking my language. I like all of this. This sounds Awesome. You've given us some very concrete things that we can do, such as starting with four, making it more teacher directed. Um, you've given us our categories. You've talked about um, using uh, activities, at least some activities that students have done before in the class ensemble before they do it in small groups. Um, you've talked about making one of the one of them an assessment so that we have like that um, that connection point with all of our students. Anything else, Aileen? As as we are like very excited uh, to try this, anything else that we should be kind of thinking about in the back of our heads? I think just giving yourself grace. Um, like I said, don't expect it to be perfect the first time. And if your administrator does walk in while you're doing it the first time, just say to them, I'm, I'm experimenting, I'm trying something new. I think this will allow for more student choice and agency. And th I think they'll probably buy into that, you know? Yeah. Um, and 
Also asking for input from students, I have often asked students like, what was your favorite center today? And there's no right or wrong answer, I'm just curious. And then that gives you an idea of which centers to repeat or maybe which, which centers like students didn't love so much, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and you can just kind of observe that as well. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think just not uh, try to not be afraid to just jump in and try it. Um, and I think if you have some of those structures that we talked about today, mm -hmm. um, you'll have at least some success. And then, yeah, and then the things that you're like, oh, I won't do that or I won't do that. That's okay. That's that's part of the learning process, you know. And then just try to repeat more of what did work yeah. uh, for whatever your situation is. If you have a small room, if you don't have very much time with your students, you know, you kind of. And, and here's another thing, too, um, some other structures to think about that could be helpful if you do have, especially if you have a shorter amount of time or a smaller room, is um, play around with the number of centers or maybe have some duplicate centers, yeah. right? So maybe you have four centers, but centers one and three are the same thing and centers two and four are the same thing, right? So you're really only doing two centers with the students on that day, but mm -hmm. you, they're split up into two groups for each center. That way you don't have a bunch of kids at the same center. So you can be as creative as you want, depending on what your situation is um, and kind of just experiment with that and um, see what works. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love it. I love it. So much um, flexibility and so much structure. I love it. Okay. So Aileen, this is something that you care about. This is something that you like talking about. And if people want to learn more from you, can you talk a little bit about your centers course? Yes. Um, I do have a centers course. And it's, I, uh, I should probably work on like opening that up as an evergreen thing, um, but I've launched it a few times a year. Um, and that kind of walks you through like really, you know, if you really want more guidance and details about centers, um, you know, how to, like I have a whole module all about technology and I have a whole mm. module all about assessment. So you really do like a deep dive um, into each type of center. Um, and then it also comes with like a resource library that ha like if you're looking for I need centers for law, then you go to the resource library and here are four things that, like boom, 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 boom. Here are four things that you can do. Oh, right. I bet people love that because you've yeah. taken out so much of the guesswork prep work in that. Yes. Yeah. And I also, like I said, I have some um, uh, centers freebie that I'll send you the link to. So if people want to sign up for that, um, then they have four centers right there that they can go ahead and try. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Aileen, um, most people listening are probably very familiar with you and your work, but anyone not listening, uh, anyone listening who is not, we can find your centers course. Where else can we find you and hang out with you and keep learning from you? Yeah. So I just changed the name of my business from Mrs. Miracle's Music Room to Aileen's Music Room. And that's A-I-L-E-E-N, like Aileen with an A. So um, I, my website, you can find at Aileen'sMusicRoom.com. And then on Instagram, I'm at Aileen. It's at Aileen's underscore music underscore room. And um, I'm on TikTok at Aileen's music room. Um, yeah. So I'll, I'll, all the socials, you can find me on like Aileen's music room or Aileen Miracle. Uh, so yeah. Yeah. And you can also send me an email at Aileen's music room at yahoo.com as well if you have any questions. Awesome. And well, I Aileen have a, sorry, I have a podcast called The Music Room. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, thank you so much for your time today. And thank you for all of the work that you do for music teachers everywhere. And I know that you know, but just so that you've heard it today, the work you do and that it, it goes to music teachers and then we send it out to all of our students. So um, the work you do is very, very impactful to lots and lots and lots and lots of people exponentially. So I'm very, very grateful for all of the stuff that you pour into this work. I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me on.